Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Well, we're going to begin a new series this morning, Sunday the 17th of January. We're starting this new series looking at the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. And I have never preached through it before. I don't know how many sermon series you've ever heard on Revelation before, but uh, we're going to look at this together. We're going to look uh, look at it right through to chapter 5 at the very least. It will take us to Easter Sunday, and then we'll see where we are after that. I'm going to read chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 this morning. It may be helpful. The, the words will appear on the screen in just a moment. It may be helpful for you to have a Bible uh, this morning to look at a couple of other places we're going to look at uh, in the early chapters. Uh, but let me read and let's hear God's word together. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, I was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Beautiful words, aren't they, from the Lord Jesus about the blessed life, the good life, the happy life. Now, I don't know about you, but as 2021 begins, I sure do want to know how to be blessed. To have God's seal of approval on my life. To have God say to me, this is the person I esteem. They are getting it right. They are living the right way. 
Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy in the book of Revelation. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Such a surprise, isn't it, to open this last book of the Bible and to hear the same voice of the Lord Jesus, the same voice of the Lord Jesus who spoke in the Sermon on the Mount, add to us here one more way to be blessed to his list of blesseds. Blessed, happy, approved is the person who reads this book, the book of Revelation. Friends, as we begin a new year, as we start a new series together, I want God to bless you. So Revelation is the natural choice, right? The natural place to go. Somebody was pointing out to me the other day that this year there has been very little, almost no talk of New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you've noticed that. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I think it seems to be true. That we, we, we've kind of stumbled into 2021, haven't we? Hanging on by our fingernails. No one's thought of New Year's resolutions other than surviving. But even if you did make a New Year's resolution, I wonder how many of us would ever pick Revelation as our book to read this year and to get to grips with. Chapter 1, verse 3, bewildered, not blessed by the words of this prophecy. That's what we might think, isn't it? Karl Barth, who was one of the most prolific theologians of the 20th century, said, If only I knew what to do with Revelation. John Calvin, one of the greatest Bible teachers that our, our church has had, wrote commentary after commentary, but he left out the book of Revelation because he did not know what to do with it, what to make of it. And when you and I, ordinary Christians, open this book, we are often left, aren't we, scratching our heads. Dragons, beasts, stars, swords, plagues, and scrolls. That's what this whole book is full of. So here's why we're going to look at these early chapters of the book together. The Lord Jesus says there is blessing here. So clear, isn't it? Chapter 1, verse 3, there is blessing here. There is happiness here, comfort here, reward here. This is a book to read and to cherish. Did you know verse 3 is the only book in the Bible to have this said about it? The only book that pronounces a blessing, a, a benediction on all those who read it and hear it and take it to heart. And so this morning as we look at it, I want to show us three things from verses 1 to 11 about why this book is going to do us so much good. Three things. Number one, this is Jesus calling his church. This is Jesus calling his church. This is the Lord Jesus calling you today, wherever you're watching. And then points two and three, I want to give us two reasons why Jesus is calling. What what it is that makes him here open his mouth and raise his voice. Number one, this is Jesus calling his church. One of the at first strange things, but really great and very simple things to get our heads around with this book, is that it is Jesus speaking to his church about himself. This is Jesus speaking to you and me about himself. We're used, aren't we, to Jesus speaking in the Gospels. That's where we we see him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We hear his voice. We're used to the Sermon on the Mount, him teaching us the Lord's Prayer. 
I am the vine, all these famous sayings. But for some reason, we are not as used to Jesus telling us that he is walking among seven golden lampstands or holding seven stars in his hand. It's what you get in chapter 1, verse 12. But this whole book is Jesus speaking to us. It is his voice. Look how it works in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So it is a revelation of Jesus given to him by his father for him to show his servants. And Jesus does this by sending an angel to John. And when the angel gets to John, verse 2, he tells him, about God and about Jesus. See how it works? This is a book from God about Jesus and it is sent by Jesus to his church. A book from God about Jesus that Jesus sends to you and me today. This is a book revealing Jesus. That's where the title comes from, Revelation. That, that, that's what the word apocalypse means. That's the word in verse 1, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. That's literally the word. But what, while we tend to associate the word apocalypse with end times and all the events of the end and scary things and all the rest of it, the word simply means an unveiling, a revealing, a, a, a pulling back the curtain so that you can see what's behind, so that you can see what's really there. Look at the opening verse like that, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you as we start this series and as we creak our way into this difficult start to the year, I want to encourage you that there is nothing, whoever you are and wherever you are today, there is nothing you need more than a revealing of who Jesus is. That's what John wants to give you today. That's what Will and I, as we begin to preach our way through this book, that's what we want to give you together. The book of Revelation is Jesus calling you. Jesus calling. John Stott says, The book of Revelation is, above all else, an unveiling of the greatness and glory of Jesus Christ. This is what a beleaguered and persecuted church needs more than anything else. A disclosure of the incomparable Christ, once crucified, now resurrected and reigning, and one day returning in power and great glory. That is what the church needs more than anything else. I know today it's what I need more than anything else. Jesus is speaking here. Because Jesus knows and John has given us the one thing we most need, the greatest thing we need, a clear sight of who Jesus is. Listen to these words. When I was a boy of about 12, I had a great hero. My hero was a local sportsman who achieved the rare distinction of gaining a cap in rugby for his country and who played cricket for his country as well. I so admired this man. I admired him so much that I papered the walls of my bedroom with press cuttings and photographs of him. I loved to talk and hear about his exploits on the field. He was my great hero. Then, when I was in my 14th year, I actually got to know my hero personally. He was a keen angler and I used to go fishing with him. 
On these occasions, I was able to observe him from an entirely different viewpoint. I got to know the man and not merely the image. And yet, the nearer I got, the smaller he became. The nearer I got, the smaller he became. Have you had that experience, friends, in life? Somebody who you, you think this would be the most wonderful person to get to know. And as, as you get close to them, over time, ordinary sets in, the smaller they become. Young people today, there are people out there in the world, you would give anything. You'd go to their concerts, go to their performances. Imagine being their friends. You would give anything to be close to them. The, sm- the closer you get to them, the smaller they would become. Here's what this man says who had this experience. But God eventually led me, a downcast schoolboy, to a new hero. And I have walked with my Jesus for 35 years now. In that time, I have often disappointed him, but he has never disappointed me. I have got to know him better. And the nearer I get to him, the bigger he becomes. Oh, it's beautiful. The nearer I get to him, the bigger he becomes. Jesus gets bigger and bigger to those who know and know and love him. He is not dwarfed by any crisis. He is not relegated by any gain. He is never lessened by any intimacy. He is always with us, always before us, always leading us on. We grow daily in admiration and gratitude, and he reveals more and more his majesty and love. Friends, Jesus is the only person in the world, the only person that the the nearer you get to him, the bigger he becomes. Every other person, every other relationship will disappoint. I want to encourage you to make it your single-eyed aim in 2021 to go hard after the Lord Jesus Christ, to go hard after him. And this book will help you do it because what this book does is it unveils Jesus. It takes us behind the scenes of the Jesus we know from his earthly ministry to Jesus as he is in his heavenly ministry. See, in this book, Jesus is speaking to John, but where is he speaking to him from? From heaven. And in this book, the Lord Jesus is going to give John access to the control room of the universe. He's going to let John see behind the scenes. He's going to bring John up really close to him. That, that, that's why Jesus is going to get bigger and bigger. The same Jesus who called his disciples to him on the mountainside and ate with them and got into a boat with them. Well, what happens here is that when God pulls back the curtains and shows that same Jesus to us in heaven, well, John is almost speechless. What does he look like? Chapter 1, verse 13. One like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet like burnished bronze, refined in a fire. His voice was like the roar of many waters. See, the, the, the book of Revelation is like a portrait gallery of the Lord Jesus. You know, you know, here in Aberdeen in the art gallery, you can move, can't you? It's been beautifully renovated recently. You, you can move from room to room around it. And sometimes you see the same person in different rooms from a different angle. 
Level one, f- level one, room three. Here they are looking like this, but up on the next floor, they look completely different. Same, same person, different angle. The, the, the book of Revelation is a whole art gallery of pictures of the Lord Jesus. He's going to look like this, like this in chapter one, verse 13. Other times he's going to look like a lamb. Then he's going to look like a lion. And friends, here's the thing. Every picture, every time, this is Jesus calling his church. Jesus calling his church. Jesus is glorious and great, and we're going to see how big he is and how great he is. And he wants us to know how loud he is. He wants us to know that he is not, the Lord Jesus is not big in the way that a statue is big. No, he is big in the way that a trumpet is big. See it in verse 10, his, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Ever been up, up close to a trumpet is a deafening experience. He has words to say to you and me, this Jesus. He has words for us to hear. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Look at verse 12, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. If you look at the next chapters that we're going to come to over the coming weeks, look how this is all about the voice of the Lord Jesus, all about his words. Chapter 2, verse 1, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Chapter 2, verse 8, The words of the first and the last. Chapter 2, verse 12. The words of him who has the sharp sharp sword. Now I'm going to explain next week as we look at chapter 1 again. I'm going to explain next week more about how the book of Revelation paints by numbers. You know those children's books that you get? Painting by numbers. As you add in each bit, the numbers all add up to a beautiful picture. And Revelation uses numbers to paint a picture of Christ. Here in chapter 1, the number 7 is really significant. It's, it's a significant number in the Bible. It's the number of perfection, of completeness, of wholeness. And so these letters that you have here to seven churches, chapter 1, verse 10, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. The, these churches are real historical churches. You could plot them on a map in the first century and find them. And in fact, the the order that the letters are in, if you look at them in chapter 1, verse 10, send it to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum. The order is that a circular letter would have followed this route. You'd have gone from Ephesus and then to Smyrna and then to Pergamum and then on to Thyatira. Real churches at a real time and place, but the number seven, choosing seven of them, means that although each of these churches has a small section, a small section addressed to them in chapter 2, each church is meant to hear what the whole book says, which is a way of saying that every church in every place, the total church, the whole church, the complete church, needs to hear what Jesus is saying in this book. The whole book is for each church. You see that in verse 11? Friends, today and this year, for every year of your life, you need to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to hear him speaking. 
to hear the voice of Jesus in the pages of the book he has sent to his church because it will show you how big he is. And and I know right now, friends, I know that this is so difficult, listening to Christ's voice. So difficult, isn't it? Here you are watching some of us quietly alone on a laptop or a phone, an iPad, others of us with children in our room. Wherever we are, whatever life is like, watching on a, watching on a screen builds into it distraction and disruption, doesn't it? It is not the same as sitting together with God's people on a Sunday. Life is difficult now to hear Christ's voice, but I want to ask us today, will the end of lockdown and it will end one day, friends. Hang in there. The, the, the light is there, isn't it, at the end of the tunnel. It will end. These days will pass. Here's the question. Will the end of lockdown find you and me more hungry for listening to Jesus or less? When it all passes, will we recognize his voice anymore? Or, or are we struggling to stay within earshot of him? That first Sunday that many of us dream about when we can gather fully and properly, when we can sing and lift our hearts up to God again. Will, will you be here that first Sunday when we can meet like that? Delighted to be with God's people again, yes, but not famished or starving because all through this experience you have not stopped listening to Jesus. You know, I, I, I was saying to someone the other day, I think all over the land, when this ends, all over the land, small church, large church, we are all going to be rebuilding, picking up the pieces of what lockdown has done to us, pushed us all away from each other, made relationships difficult, separated us. We're all going to be rebuilding. But most of the rebuilding will not be because of lockdown. Now, that lockdown is just the surface cause, if you like, the pressure that's been put on us. Now, much of the rebuilding or, or the, the really real rebuilding that will need to happen is because many of us will have stopped listening to Jesus. And other things have taken their place. People who we thought would be first in the door, we may never see again. People drift, life changes, and all of it is because the voice of the Lord Jesus is pushed to the margins of life for all of us. Our, our ever-present phone that we look at all day long, oh, how we love the distraction, don't we? We love the things to click, and it, it's because it is stuff that is here one minute and gone the next. But the voice of the Lord Jesus in a book like this is like the roar of many waters. See that in verse chapter 1, verse 15? His voice was like the roar of many waters. The, the call to worship that we opened our worship with today, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. So I want to finish with this, much more briefly than point one. There are, there are two reasons in this book, and they're here in chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, two reasons why Jesus is calling his church, why he's raising his voice above the voices of the world. Point number one, Jesus is calling his church. Number two, Jesus is calling because he is ruling. And number three, Jesus is calling because he is coming. Jesus is calling because he is ruling. 
That, that, that's why he's speaking. He wants his church to know that he is ruling. You know, a, a teacher once asked her Sunday school class, what, what is the book of Revelation all about? Not, not really expecting any kind of answer from children. It's a big ask, isn't it, to ask children, what is this strange book all about? And one little boy put up his hand and said, it's easy. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. I love that. It's so true, isn't it? Sometimes we don't need big minds, our Karl Barts, our John Calvins. We just need simple minds. That's what this book is about. Jesus wins. In chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, what does this Jesus who is speaking look like to you? Does he look like a victim? Executed on a Roman cross, tossed on the scrap heap, a forgotten man, a failed revolutionary, a good teacher, yes, but basically just one more prophet, one more good man crushed by the evil system. Is that what he looks like? No, look at chapter 1, verse 5. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, this is who is speaking, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth firstborn of the dead. It's, it's a way of saying that Jesus is the first of many who will follow. He's on the other side of death, but he's not the last. He's going to bring many people through death with him. And he is the ruler of the kings of earth. Look at verse 6. He made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He has dominion, and not for a short time, but forever and ever. You know, King James VI of Scotland, when he attended church, he was notoriously rude in worship services. King James would sit in the gallery while the minister was preaching. But instead of listening to the sermon, King James would talk freely to those around him. Now, imagine if your disruptive person in church was the king of the land. On one occasion, the minister, Robert Bruce, was preaching, and King James was so distracting, Robert Bruce paused and just waited. And when he fell silent, the king fell silent too. And then when the preacher resumed preaching, so did the king resume talking. Robert Bruce ceased speaking a second time. The king ceased speaking. He began preaching again. The king began speaking again. The third time this happened, Robert Bruce turned and addressed King James directly. It is said to have been an expression of the wisest of kings that when the lion roars, all the beasts of the field are quiet. The lion of the tribe of Judah is now roaring in the voice of his gospel and it becomes all the petty kings of earth to be silent. Oh, do you know who you are? Robert Bruce is saying to his king. Do you know who you are? One beast among many on earth. There is only one true lion of the tribe of Judah. And he is speaking because he is ruling. Brothers and sisters, today, wherever you are watching and listening, Jesus is calling in this book because he is ruling now. That's what he wants you to know. Every time the Bible is opened and every time the gospel is preached, the Lord Jesus is extending his scepter over those who listen. Extending it over us. Will we kiss it? 
bow before him and love him? Or will we turn our backs and ignore his voice? Every time you hear Jesus' voice in the Bible, the king of all the earth is ruling through his living word. And he is ruling now, today. The book of Revelation is not saying one day Jesus will reign. No, it's saying one day everyone will know that he is reigning, that he is already reigning. And that means today that every other ruler that we have around us is under him. Every other ruler. The Lord Jesus rules. Not Joe Biden from Wednesday. Not Donald Trump still today. Not Westminster. Not Holyrood. Jesus is calling because he is ruling. And so I want to finish with this. Number three. Third point. You know, I, I, I called round, called round to see one of you, uh, last week, didn't I? And, uh, the person that I called round to see you were out. And we spoke later on the phone. And this person very gently, very kindly said to me, look, you should have called to tell me you were on your way. You should have called to tell me you were coming. Next time you come, call in advance, please. It's fair enough, isn't it? Here's the third point. Number three, Jesus is calling because he is coming. Jesus is calling because he is coming. This book, Friends of Revelation, is Jesus' advance warning, his calling in advance that he is coming before he arrives. See, that's what this language is all about. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Verse 3. Look at the very end of the verse for the time is near. Revelation is all about something that is coming soon. And you open the book with these verses and you wonder, what is this thing that is coming? What is coming soon? Is Revelation a prophecy of future events? Can we read off Revelation, all the events of our day, like the European Union? Is COVID-19 prophesied in Revelation? Actually, I think it is much more straightforward than that. Look at verse 7. Here is the thing that is soon to take place. Behold, he is coming. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. The thing that will soon take place is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ will return. And and look, my my friend who I went to visit, if they'd known that I was coming, they would have done things differently, wouldn't they? They'd have changed their plans, not taken the dog out for a walk at that time or whatever, made an adjustment, got ready so that when I rang the doorbell, they were there. So important to be ready, isn't it? So important. And here's the very simple thing to do in Revelation. Here's the simple thing to do in Revelation to be ready. It is to switch your allegiance from this world and the rulers of this earth and the sins of this world. Switch your allegiance from this world. Switch your allegiance to the coming king. That's how this book helps us to be ready. You see that in verse 7? All the tribes of earth will wail on account of him. Because they've rejected him. Some were involved in piercing him, his own people, the Roman Empire. And friends, if you reject 
somebody like this. Reject who is coming. Or the, or the event will be terrible. Remember J.K. Rowling? She did that thing a while ago, didn't she? She, uh, remember what she did? She published on Twitter all the rejection letters that she got from sending in her Harry Potter manuscript to publishers. And it was beautiful reading all these letters that came back to her. There she is, this unknown author, sends in these letters, sends her manuscript into publishers, and she gets these letters back, and she published them. No thanks, not good enough, not what we're after, this won't sell, no market for this kind of material. And then when it's revealed that somebody loved it and somebody bought it and it has brought in billions, literally billions for her, millions for the publisher, maybe billions for the publisher as well. Oh, the pain. Oh, the, the agony, the heartache, the wailing. Can you, be ima- can you imagine being that person who sent the rejection letter to J.K. Rowling, probably with a wave of his hand in an editor's office, not good enough, send it back, not interested. Friends, the agony, the eternal agony of tossing the Lord Jesus onto the scrap heap of human history. Oh, I'm not interested in him. And not being ready for his return in glory. Oh, the agony. But do you see how you can switch sides? Verse 5. Do you see how you can switch to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood? That's how you switch sides, to to be freed from your sins by the blood of the Lord Jesus. His life-giving death on the cross is what transfers us from being bound by this world and the sins of this world and loving this world into his kingdom. You know, that that child's answer is that Revelation says to us, Jesus wins. I, I think an even better answer is the Lamb wins. The lamb wins. The the one who was rejected is accepted. The one who came once in weakness will come again in glory. Not this time as a lamb. Somebody has said that in Revelation, the second coming of the Lord Jesus is the unveiling of the lamb to reveal the lion. I love that. The second coming of the Lord Jesus is the unveiling of the lamb to reveal the lion. One day the lion will return to roar. And friends, he will return to roar for you and for me. Maybe you're oppressed, downtrodden, you're defeated, broken. Life has dealt you a hand that is too much to bear. And your life today looks very much like the pathetic spectacle of a bleeding lamb. That's how you feel. That's what your life resembles. Weakness. Suffering. Look at chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner with you in what? Life is a breeze. Life with Jesus. Sunshine every day. Your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom. And the patient endurance that are in Jesus. We're going to see that this is a letter written to suffering, battered pilgrims who are working out how to patiently endure. Maybe that's you today. Maybe this is just all too much. Life right now, 2021, beginning like this, January, it is all too much. 
I think many of us feel that, don't we? Brothers and sisters, Jesus is ruling. And Jesus is coming. The lamb wins. The lion will roar. Amen.